0: Kevin McShane, Scott, Curtis. my friend.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm not supposed to talk yet.
0: No, you can. not okay. I wanted to have you on the show. Uh, one because I just miss you and wanted to talk to you, and two because you are one of the very few polymaths that I know, and it's a uh, y- it's a very unique, exciting, but uh, Ultimately, I find for the people that are polymaths, a very frustrating experience to be a polymath. But you are you're a cartoonist, you're an improv guy, you are a photographer, you're a filmmaker, you're um, a graphic designer, you are an editor. Like you just you do all these things and you are very self-deprecating and you say, and I'm no good at any of them, you know. Jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah. But you are good at all of them. Oh, well, thank you. So um, the problem is there's only so much time yeah. in, in a day or a year or a lifetime. Yeah. And so my introduction to you when we first met, and you're going to have to help me remember this, mm. but I, I believe we met at the San Diego convention.
1: No, it was uh, Baltimore.
0: We met at Baltimore.
1: yeah. yeah. What? Yeah, it was like Baltimore, like 2008. I want to say. Okay. Yeah. Do Do you remember this? No. Okay, because it ties. In- well, you might refresh my memory. Yeah. Because okay, so this this ties into what we were talking about before about oh
0: the thing about what did you do for my yeah. 50th birthday video yeah do
1: you want to do you want to okay. set that up
0: yeah okay so uh, I recently celebrated my 50th birthday and my wife contacted uh, a lot of people that I know and had them record little videos and then she compiled it. And Kevin had said in his video that when we first met, I was nice to him when I quote, didn't have to be. And I said to Angie, well, he's crazy. And I don't remember that. And, and so it, cause Angie's like, well, what was that about? And I said, I don't know because my recollection of meeting Kevin was uh, that, Dave Kellett and Straub had introduced me to you at the show and you guys, we went to Lou and Mickey's Mm -hmm. across from the convention center Mm -hmm. and you three were doing this bit. I I feel like it was the beginning of the fake Stan Lee, actually, something else you're known for. But you guys were doing this bit where Stan Lee had gone so senile and he kept creating characters. He's like, I've got a new idea for a comic. It's about a teenager named Peter Parker, yeah. and whenever he gets he was belted by gamma rays, and whenever he gets angry, he stretches, and his
1: family is with him, and it's called the Mighty Thor. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I remember that. And then someone else would be the straight man, Just be like, "No, stand, yeah. stand." You, no, that's like yeah. that's like three different characters. You're that's like, all, yeah. But like, let oh, me tell you, oh boy. <laughs> so yeah, and
0: I I remember leaving that dinner thinking I've got to get I've got to find a way to get Kevin to like me. <laughs> Really? Yeah. Yes, because he's he was so funny and so cool. And I had this big discussion with Kellett and Straub and they said, I'm like, well, what does he do? You know, what does he work on? Right. And then they're like, well, you know, every year he's here with this book and and he always is very sad sack about it. And he's like, well, my one fan showed up, so I'm done for the week. Right. And and I'm like, I don't understand. Like, he's way funnier than me. He's clearly more talented than me. So why is he struggling? But I I really wanted <laughs> You don't like me, so I'm uh-huh. I'm thrilled to find out about when we
1: actually first met that I've clearly forgotten okay. about. No, this it's it's pretty close because I uh, yeah. So here's my side of it, like okay. So a so little context, like basically, I um I've always felt like an outsider in the world of comics, right? You know, when I started off with my book, I was trying to be like a indie print publisher like i was i was trying to go through diamond and like do all of that shit which like what the fuck was i thinking trying to do that well it's but, what you had to do back then but not really because it was the same time that you all were on the web and, and and pursuing that model like i was i was a no-name guy trying to do the eastman and Laird come out of nowhere you know have a okay. smash hit you know black and white book um right so like when i would go to cons I was trying to get in with all the indie publishers, you know, like the Onis and the Image and stuff like that. I remember giving a copy of my book to Eric Larson, like, as I recognized him walking the floor. And it was like, oh, Jesus, yeah, and it was like I fucking shat in his mouth. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> that sounds like Eric. Yeah. And so uh, and so I always felt I always felt like I didn't have a home, you know, because these. These indie publishers, they didn't know who I was. I was just a little shit who had, like, no credits, didn't know anybody. And then when I would go to a show like SPX or something, I wasn't a CCS kid. And so, like, I didn't feel at home with them Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, at my first SPX, I tabled next to Malky. um, You know, who is... David Malky, Wondermark. Yeah, he is the connective tissue of, you yeah. know, every, he's just, everybody <laughs> yeah. knows him. Everybody loves him. And I was just fortunate enough to table next to him at the first SBX. And so when when I went to Baltimore, he and I shared a table. And I think Aaron Diaz also uh, shared a table with oh, him. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. And um, and so, yeah. And so that that evening, we, we all went, uh, you know, across the street <laughs> and whatnot. Do you remember the photo, the black and white photo? Now I remember this. That I took that photo. You you're that is an amazing yeah, photo. I took that photo. Cause it's like it's like you and uh, and Dave and Chris and Brian yeah, yeah. and I think Danielle Corsetto's in it. You know what I mean? It's Magnolia like, Porter Magn- was yeah, there. Exactly. And it's like this, it's like this Malky was yeah, there. it's like this perfect, like it's like the photo from the untouchables. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like everybody yeah. at the same table. It's great. And yeah. I was the one who took that. And oh my god and so yeah and so that was the that was the night that i met you and so this is what you probably don't remember so we were all sitting there at the table malky was my in you know and he had in, he had introduced me to uh to uh, dave and uh and chris earlier so that's why okay. we were doing that bit but we're all sitting at the table and we're all having drinks and this random guy comes over and with a drink and just sits down and like starts talking right and mm-hmm we're all kind of looking at each other. And at one point you were just like, and and not in a rude way or anything like that. You just went, I'm oh, sorry, who were you? And like, he, you know, explained who he was. And I think he stuck around, but then after a couple of minutes, I think he was like embarrassed and he got up and left. And like, you guys were talking about how, like, I guess at that time people would just do that. They would come over yeah. and assume that they <laughs> knew you because they'd been reading your yeah. comics forever and blah, blah, blah. And they wouldn't introduce themselves and whatnot. And so, I was, I, I considered myself not that different from that guy. Like I knew Malky, that was the reason I was sitting at that table. Right. Oh, and wow. so, and so I remember you and I talking and I remember you being genuinely interested, you know, in like what I was doing, like, tell me about your book and everything like that. And so when I say that, you know, you were nice to me, and we absolutely didn't have to be, it was because you were the first like comics professional on like a high level that treated me like a peer oh wow and i will always be appreciative of that you know <laughs> what i mean because i like like comic-con and spx and whatnot it was so lonely for me you know oh my what god I mean? because i didn't have i didn't have a crew of people and like the way the comic-con was set up back in the day i was in the small press section like you guys were. yeah you the were web comics section i was in small press and the way it was set up back then was the the doors from the upper pavilion would empty and it, mm. it open onto small press. So for like the first hour of every day, you would get literally thousands of people walking right by you in order to yeah. get to the rest of the stuff on the floor. Yeah. And it's soul crushing.
0: It was it that section. I would always walk through it because there were, there was a lot of really, really good stuff in there and a lot of, and, um, What's funny is, like, there were a lot of pros in there, too. So I never considered it um, like what you walk through mm. to get, you know, like, like an obstacle right. to my destination. Right. It was so at Comic-Con, at San Diego Comic-Con, all the way to the very, very left of the show, if you walk the whole length of the show and hit that back wall to the to the left side of the convention center was the artist alley for comic pros so it was everyone that drew for marvel dc that were the big names like adam hughes and brandon peterson all those guys Mm -hmm. that didn't buy their own booth because they got it for free because back in the day you wanted the pros there you give them a free table the indie comic section was that Mm -hmm. for My group. Okay. Right. It was not the DC Marvel Big Four guys. It was so, but there were pros there, like Keith Knight was there and Bob the Angry Flower guy was there, mm -hmm. like big names at the time. Right. And, and you were right next to those guys. You were right there. Yeah. And, um, I remember seeing your book, Toopy Dupes, and looking at it, and it reminded me of a comic I had known. From, uh, my college days, uh, it was called, uh, Martin Wagner did, it, it was called Hepcats. Oh, yeah. I, you know what? I've heard that comparison before. Have you really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It, I was like, uh, cause I was obsessed with Hepcats. I was obsessed with the style of it. The, um, it was clearly, uh, kind of quasi autobiographical. Mm-hmm. It just felt like it, mm-hmm. but, um, also because all of the backgrounds were very detailed and clearly from where around where Martin lived. Right. right. And, uh, you know, on college campus and near and all that stuff and the environments were really detailed and it was very immersive and he did put animal heads on all of his characters, which, you know, and so I was like, Oh, wow, 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 wow. This is like a new, this is like hep cats. um, But you were always so funny, but you were always so self-deprecating. And so (laughs) I would think, oh, I got to go see the Toopy Doops guy. And then I would go, I'm going to walk up and he's going to be so down on himself. (laughs) And he's going to say, I'm going to say, like, how's it going? You're going to be like, well, my fan came by, (laughs) so I'm free for the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, what's funny is I have the exact same story as you, but. Uh, Mike Waringo was my, to me was what I was to you. Okay. Okay. I was at, uh, it wasn't a Baltimore show. It was in San Antonio. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I, Cho, Cho was my in Mm -hmm. to the show and we went to have lunch and it was Mark Wade, Kurt Busiak, Todd Dezago, Craig Rousseau, Mike Waringo and Frank. And my wife. Wow. And we're all at the table, and Mike Rowing goes to my left, Angie's to my right, and everyone's talking. And I turn to Angie and I say, I wanna go. It's time to go. Mm-hmm. She's like, What do you mean it's time to go? We haven't even ordered yet. And I go, I don't belong here. Right. I've gotta get the fuck out of here. I gotta get the fuck out of here. I don't belong here. Mm-hmm. And then, true to form, Frank's like, What's the matter? <laughs> I go, I gotta go, man. I don't belong at this table. Like, I just don't feel. Right right and does goes like what do you mean you don't belong at this table you know and and uh and so everyone's like who who are you who are you and i go "Well, oh, i'm scott kurtz i do pvp and mike goes pvp what like he had like he was like i'm i'm sitting next to scott kurtz and i didn't even know it wow. and i was like what is happening i don't understand and ringo was the first guy so i'm like well i'm not really a comic book guy you know you guys all are legit and i'm just faking it right and he's like, oh bullshit, we all feel that way, you know. And Ringo was the first guy to ever say, No, no, no. You're you're one of right. us for sure. Um That's interesting. And every every time I called Mike, you know, because I'd find out like that he just got like he just got a gig doing Spider-Man. I'm like, hey, you're doing Spider-Man on dance lot? And he goes, bleh. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean bleh? And he goes, we can't even do our own thing because it's got to be tied into all these events and I don't want to fucking draw it. And They're changing the costume and I don't want to draw it. What are you working on? I'm just doing the same goddamn strip. He goes, no, no, no. You got something new going on. Tell me, tell me. And yeah. he goes, well, I want to do this thing. And he's like, I knew it. I knew it. So, yeah. It's, Isn't that funny? Yeah, I wonder
1: if everybody has that. Yeah, that we all, everybody. because like Because of my experience, like at cons and stuff like that, like I... I, I've made it a point to always respond when like people will send me stuff. Like these days, if like somebody sends me their Instagram account, they're like, Hey, check it out. I'll go do it. I will like go check it out because I remember what it was like to be the, the, you know, the person who was trying to get people's attention or trying to get some feedback or trying to get some validation, you know? Yeah. And like, I don't, I, I'm not like, who the fuck am I? You know what I mean? Like, I'm not so big <laughs> that I can't look at somebody's instagram account you know yeah i'm the same way yeah yeah and it feels good yeah
0: yeah and it's what's what i've learned if i've learned anything in the last 20 something years it's that you really don't understand the effect you have on people exactly it, you know with just the stupidest thing that you do and it's never the thing that you make to have an effect on mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. you don't really get to choose what uh affects people no. absolutely not. and 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 that's something to keep in mind as you put your stuff out there. So I have to ask you of all the things that you do Mm. and you've done, you've done a ton. Did you do the video with Obama at Buzzfeed? Uh,
1: We've done a couple of videos with Obama.
0: I, there's one where he puts tries to put a cookie in the milk and it doesn't fit and he goes hmm, thanks obama right. no
1: i didn't i didn't get to do that one you,
0: no. you didn't get to do that one no.
1: but you did do the richard simmons one i did do the richard simmons one which is now yeah. unlisted you have to i have to send you the url for it oh really yeah. did he ask for it to be no, unlisted no what it was was they changed that youtube channel to be the buzzfeed news YouTube channel oh. and BuzzFeed News is respectable. And so they're okay. like we gotta hide all this stupid bullshit that we made. So. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. Yeah. Yeah. But it's but so okay.
0: So you do all this stuff, mm-hmm. and you've met you've made short films, you do live stage improv, you you take great f- photography, even photos that I love that I didn't even know you took you to. Yeah, <laughs> but so if you had to pick one, Ugh. if you were like, well, I wish oh, dude, I was this. I what are you, my parents? No, I'm just curious. <laughs> like Because I met you as someone trying to be a cartoonist. Yeah. yeah. So is was that just one of a million things you wanted to be at the time? Or is that something you gave up on to do other things?
1: I'm really curious about yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, being a cartoonist was my life's goal, like my explicit life's goal from the time I was like in elementary school through through college probably okay um and then in college it kind of shifted where i was like oh i want to be a filmmaker and so i went to grad school made short films stuff like that moved out to la and whatnot and then when the film thing didn't pop off in the first couple of years out in la um like they led me to believe that it would in grad school um right uh, Then I was like, you know what, I'll try my hand at cartooning again. So it's kind of a back and forth. I feel like I have this set number of things that I like and I just kind of pop back back and forth between all of them. Yeah. Um, But in terms of like which which one really speaks to me the most, like what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to find something that synthesizes everything, you know. Yeah. And so, you know my, my ability to draw my ability, you know, as a filmmaker, my love of comedy, you know, all of that stuff. And I want to find something that ties it all together. And I mean, what I've hit on with the natural thing is, is animation and, Mm. you know, same thing that you were talking about earlier where, you know, you kind of feel like it's a little too late. I mean, I'm in my mid forties. I never went to animation school, you know? And so it's like, what, like, what what am I going to do? Yeah, but you don't have you. to anymore. You don't have to anymore, but also at the same time, like, I don't have the same amount of time that I had in my 20s. No, you, know? you don't. That's true. Yeah, so, and this is funny. But because,
0: and it, as a counter-argument, uh, uh, Dick Brown did start Hagar the Horrible till he was 50. This is true.
1: And, so. and you know, Louis Black didn't, you know, really start doing stand-up until he was in his 40s. There's all kinds of arguments that could be right. made for this. And, and it's funny because I'm sitting here, I'm talking, and I'm hearing both my partner and my therapist saying, "See, so you're just putting a roadblocks in front of yourself. Just putting a yeah. roadblocks in front of yourself. And I'm like, well, absolutely. It. You're right. You're right. You're right. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because the funny thing is we, and, and take this as you will, but I've, we've dipped in animation a couple of times ourselves mm-hmm. and, um, one time we did it through blind ferret entertainment right. and they hired a whole animation team and built a whole animation studio and wanted to do a PVP thing and animated it, try to animate it traditionally. I've tried to pitch it through Hollywood, mm-hmm. you know, and to varying degrees and nobody cared about it. No one gave a shit. No one bought it. Right. But then when Straub and I dicked around in flash mm-hmm. and on purpose made stuff that looked terrible, right. it was a huge hit. Yeah. You know, yeah, so, uh, I mean, you could go to anime. I mean, there are Tumblr full of animation students that are producing amazing shit. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But they're not making anything. Yeah. That's the thing that always throws me mm-hmm. is no one just makes anything. Right. right. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. And and like what I need to do is start applying what what I do for my paycheck to the rest of my creative endeavors. You know what I mean? Cause like right. my day job, I'm a producer. Like I don't, I don't necessarily make every video, you know, fully myself at Buzzfeed. I will hire a crew or I'll hire freelancers and stuff like that, you know, and I will, yeah. I will produce the video in the traditional sense. But when it comes to my personal creative endeavors, I have this kind of like purity thing in my head of like, unless I do everything, right and I, right. I can't take full credit and you know what That's that's
0: a conceit that's a conceit from your years dreaming of being a cartoonist mm-hmm. and because there's something about the american cartoonist Absolutely. that is it's a singular vision it's all me i get to be the writer and the director and the producer mm-hmm. there's no collaboration right i'm an i'm an auto and if you
1: look at the japanese model It's all, it's all manga. Yeah, it's all all manga. Yeah, exactly. And so it's like, you got multiple people working on the same. Mm -hmm. And, and on the point
0: of time, let me tell you, and this is just going to lead to us collaborating. Let's just admit (laughs) it right here. We're making something moving forward. It's just foreplay. Yeah. Yeah, Oh, this is a hundred percent (laughs) foreplay. To speak to your fear of lack of time. The best way to counter that is to collaborate because when you are working on a problem creatively you, you can't throw anything at it but time you have to have to mull it over but if you put more heads in the room and everyone starts bouncing ideas back and forth you you uh condense that time yeah because because you know it takes you a while on your own to get to the second third and fourth idea or iteration but in the room where different brains are bouncing it you get to that fourth and fifth iteration much much quicker
1: sure. yeah i agree so I agree. Yeah, but hold, but let's talk about collaboration for a second, because I know in your career, you've done you've done both mm-hmm. you've done, you know, the same thing. And you've done a lot of collaboration. I I have this weird relationship with collaboration in which. At this point, I'm wondering if I'm the asshole. And do you know <laughs> what I mean by that? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it's like I. I I try to get the I, like I've been involved in multiple groups, you know, over the years whether they be improv groups, they'd be, you know, sketch comedy groups, they'd be, um, you know, the, the podcast that I used to do, the lusty horde. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and every single one of those collaborative, uh, relationships, they've all broken down at a certain point. And from my perspective, it's been because I'm like, let's do this guys. Come on, rah, rah, let's go. And then the other people are just like, eh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and like, I tried to get the people that I've collaborated with in the past, who are all friends of mine, obviously, to, you know, tell me, like, am I difficult to work with? Am I too much of a perfectionist? do I, do I not concede other people's points? You know what I mean? Like, am I too selfish? Like, what, like, what is it? And no one will tell me, you know hmm. what I mean? And so, like, I'm wondering, like, at this point, taking a look at my collaborative career and how all of these projects have kind of not gotten to the point that I've wanted them to get to like, am I the asshole? Am I the one who's tanking all of these? Well, I can't speak directly to that because yeah. I've, I haven't worked with you yet.
0: <laughs> I'll, I'll be able to tell you soon. Don't worry. I'll, but, I'll ruin our friendship. <laughs> but I can tell you that every single one of my collaborations has ended. Right. Um, uh, and historically throughout time they all end just in general Mm. right so uh uh but but it's not always on bad terms but i I would say that yeah you're the asshole but so are they like it's you you take turns Mm. because uh, and and something and also i think that's not necessarily a bad thing because the conflict breeds um results sometimes Mm. it depends Mm. right but so I've co- my first collaboration, I was 100 percent the asshole. My my very first collaboration was working on a an image comic called Truth, Justin and the American Way, and it was a love letter to uh, the greatest American hero and all my favorite like action TV shows of the 70s, yeah. like Six Million Dollar Man mm-hmm. and, and and Knight Rider and all that stuff. And um I was working with Aaron Williams, mm. um, so we wrote it together, and then we found an artist in Italy named uh, Giuseppe Ferraro, who is just this amazing, like, BD-style mm. cartoonist. Nice. Who grew up with American TV. That's his view of America. It was It was all sent over, so he grew up with it all, too. And Aaron would give me ideas for it, and I would just think, that's the stupidest idea. It's going to look so dumb. We're not going to do right. it. And I would fight him and fight him and fight him. And we were really having a hard time. And my wife pulled me aside and said, hey, at some point, Aaron has to have a good idea. Hmm. Then the pages started coming in. And the thing that I thought was the stupidest, once I saw Giuseppe's interpretation of his idea, yeah. it was the coolest thing in the book. Sure. And I realized, oh, okay, I get it now. I can't see it. Just because I didn't think of it didn't mean it's not good. Right. And I need to have some trust right. in this. And I need to also change my perspective to try to see it from his point of view, you know, yeah. yeah. and from that point on, I really loved the the concept of the collaboration and I, and I've done it on and off with PVP. Mm-hmm. Right. But P, PVP is my retreat because the, you know, there's some days when you want to draw and have, be in a room with other people drawing, and there's some people where some days when you want to draw and just leave me the fuck alone. Right. Yeah, I just want to put on my headset and draw and and tune out the world. Right. Right. And so I have that safe spot with PvP. I can go back to it, and I, I occasionally do invite people in. Dylan McConus wrote PvP yeah, with me for that. a little yeah. bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I collaboration is great. But yeah, I mean, I think that it always breaks down like dylan got an opportunity to work steve Hammaker, who i collaborate with on table titans he got an opportunity to write and draw a graphic novel mm-hmm. i wasn't going to say no to him on that so he can't color table titans right now right. and i don't want anyone else to you know straub and i stopped working together after years and years of doing stuff together exclusively like it
1: always ends sure sure um i think but, i think for me though it's like I, I realize that like, you know, there's there's a timeline for all these okay. things, but like in it, for me it's not so much about the 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 competing ideas as it is. I think for me it's more of a division of labor thing. Mm-hmm. Um, because in the majority of the projects that I uh that I collaborate with people on, because I'm a polymath, I think I end up probably just naturally taking on eighty percent of the work. And then, right. and I'll get upset when, when I think that other people aren't pulling their weight. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Because, you know, I, I, I used to say if I had a group with three or four people just like me, we'd be unstoppable. It'd be great. Yeah. 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 And that's, I realize it's a very conceited thing to say, but you know what I yeah, mean?
0: Yeah. And it's an, right. And it's annoying. Like, well, why didn't you just learn audition? Adobe audition. I did. Right. Yeah. <laughs> why can't you use Adobe audition? Right
1: yeah yeah I yeah so maybe maybe that that's how I'm the asshole
0: maybe I look one of the reasons we stopped doing the blamimations was because I could not wrap my head around flash Mm -hmm. and it came very naturally to Chris Mm -hmm. but that means it fell on him all the time to do all the heavy lifting on that I got to do the fun part we got to write it and goof around on the mics Mm -hmm. I would draw a few assets and then he'd have to put it all in flash and deal with the timelines and all the glitches and the compression down and the rendering and That was always on him. Yeah. yeah. And I, w- I knew it wasn't fair. He knew it wasn't fair, but it wasn't going to get done any other way. And it didn't make any money to hire someone to do it. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah. Unfortunate. I, lo- yeah. I love those Blaming Nations, by the way. Like they were fucking great.
0: Yeah, they were. They were. It was a perfect storm of just. We'd been friends for probably 10 years at that point. We really were tuned into each other's headspace yeah. with what made each other laugh mm-hmm. And uh, Chris had found this really funny cadence to do where you just kept talking and talking way past you would. (laughs) The trick was to always talk just a little bit faster than you could think and then have to fix it.
1: That's what I loved about it because yeah, like especially in the beginning when it's like the first like 10 seconds of you guys just talking back and forth and just the quick cuts back and forth. I was like, it was, it
0: was up down and back. I was like that. Da da, 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 da. yeah like Chris, you know I'm always coming. I love the front door. I never <laughs> go to the back door. I'm a front door man and you can't don't in the steps. Always the steps in the front door. That's why I use the back. <laughs> I mean the front. Right? You got you just gotta get way ahead of yourself. Yeah.
1: And then I love that style.
0: Yeah. It was just a part of the show. Yeah,
1: I like just speaking about like the type of animation that I like, I love animation like that isn't too polished. Yeah, you know what I mean, like if you ever watch like old home movies episodes, yeah, like they just at squiggle vision, yeah, not even like, but it was more the audio, just kind of like leaving the things in, mm-hmm. leaving those things in, and like Bob's Burgers does it to, they, they they do it a little bit, not as they used to do it a lot more before than they do it now, but like with something like The Simpsons and whatnot, it's like it's so scripted and it's so polished, there isn't a lot of room for like goofy yeah. around, and I love it when animation. You, you get the sense that there's somebody behind it.
0: It's really exciting to do something like the Blamomations and then see like Bob's Burgers come along mm-hmm. or Dr. Katz or something like that. Yeah. And you're like, oh, wow, the pros are doing something similar. Right. right. Not in a way of going, well, they copied us, mm-hmm. but just like, hey, yeah. we discovered the same thing they did. Like, that's really exciting. It makes you feel like, hey, we were doing something pro level. Exactly. Because this, this is on Fox. <laughs> Yeah. Those were fun, man. Yeah. And they hold up. I go back and I watch them sometimes and I still laugh. Wait, where do they, where are they? Do they exist? I don't know. They're on YouTube somewhere. Okay. You can probably find them. Okay, cool. Um Penny Arcade used to have a YouTube channel and they were up on there. I don't know if they maintain that or not, mm-hmm. but people have sent me links before nice. and I'll go watch an old one and and um Yeah. They're all tied. All of them are tied in my head to experiences that were happening when we made it. Mm-hmm. So some episodes I love and some of them I'm like, oh that's when we had the swine flu or that's when Chris and I were fighting about XYZ yeah. or Yeah. And I or that was a really tough one and I wasn't happy with the way it turned out and I don't like watching them. But mm-hmm. the 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 show we made together that was the live action Chris and Scott Scott mm-hmm. and Chris show did yeah, you ever yeah, see that? Yeah, yeah. Scott Chris and Scott Scott and Chris show I don't remember. Mm-hmm. I can't watch any of that. Really? Really Cause we kickstarted it. We made like 67 grand to film it. The guys at two player productions that we're going to do that were doing the Penny Arcade TV show. We're going to film it. Two of them went on to other projects. Chris moved to LA. We had one week to do it. Jeez. Where everyone's schedules aligned. The first day of shooting, my
1: dad has a stroke. Oh my God.
0: Yeah. And, and he tells me from the hospital, your fans paid thousands of dollars to make it. what are you going to do if you get here you're going to cry over me finish your job and then come see me wow and so i filmed that whole thing getting updates from the hospital as his condition went up and down and up that must have been like and i had and now it's let's be funny yeah
1: let me let me me, me be on camera let me be a funny guy on camera yeah
0: Yeah. i'll be a funny guy Uh, that's yeah awful i'm sorry so no it Helped. It sometimes it was helpful and sometimes sure. it was really difficult. Everyone was really kind. Yeah. Sometimes I would just be like, I'm gonna go step in this other room for a second, make a phone call, and then I would just kind of splash water in my face and break down yeah. and freak out and go, What the fuck am I doing? Yeah. I'm in the other room with a bicycle helmet on sideways, going <laughs> talking about penile <laughs> erection problems. And then but my dad's in a hospital and his brain is swelling yeah. from the stroke, yeah. right? Or something. So I can't watch them. Yeah. I I can't watch. I I can see that all. I
1: I can't watch any of it. I can't. Yeah.
0: And people love it. People still talk about it.
1: Oh yeah. What's the, okay. What's the, the, like going back to what we were talking about earlier. What is the dumbest project that you wish people would not bring up anymore that they still bring up?
0: That's a good question. I really really hate the animated PVP we did with Blind Ferret. Really? Yeah, and no one brings it up cuz nobody saw it, thank Christ. Oh, I saw it. <laughs> I saw it. I hate it.
1: I hate I hate everything about it. I remember back when you announced it, I thought I was like this is cool. This like this is going to be on yeah. this is going to be on network TV in like a year. I
0: I thought so too. And yeah. it, it did not turn out to be that way
1: at all. It
0: was not as promised. Mm-hmm.
1: Why, why is it so painful?
0: It, because we had an idea for what it could be. We wrote towards that. We were told it could, it could be delivered and it was not delivered. Okay. And I, you know, it wasn't, it was a bad decision to do it. It was the wrong time to do it. Mm-hmm. It was my wrong level of expertise to do it. Everybody just kind of bit off more than they could chew. I think so. And it was also the wrong timing because in a Malcolm Gladwell way, because it was a kind of little bit of at its time on certain concepts of platforming and Mm -hmm. paying like now no one would question paying a Patreon fee to see animation. And that's essentially what it was. Was a subscription to see it, right. and but at the time it was a subscription. Fu, if it's on the web, it's free. Exactly. So yeah, yeah, it was. It, it just it wasn't the right format for it. Um, for a while, it used to bother me that people would bring up the D and D stuff I did. The oh really? The yeah. Well, yeah, because I want to. I'm a cartoonist, hmm. and I and I did that stuff. But people would come up at shows and see me and go, Scott Kurtz, Benwin Bronzebottom, what are you doing here? And I would say, well, I'm a cartoonist. This is my work. And they're like, you make comics?
1: Yeah. And it would just drive me nuts. It would. Like video, like just in the the general sense, like video is so sticky Mm -hmm. in a way that like comics and like other media isn't. You know what I mean? And right. And it is. It's
0: so bizarrely validating. We were at a gas station one time, my brother and I, and I was pumping gas and there was a kid in the car across from us and he saw me and just stared right at me. Mm -hmm. And the father, the kid's father is pumping gas, sees him staring at me, sees me noticing it. The man looks at me and he goes, oh, you're the dwarf from the D&D TV. We watch you on TV. You're on that TV show. I'm not on TV. Right. I'm on YouTube. Right.
1: Maybe. But for them, I'm on that TV show. Exactly. exactly. And like, that's how they know you. They have no idea that you're a cartoonist. No, they know me as the funny guy
0: on the D on the D and D show they watch mm-hmm. on
1: TV. Yeah. And that like, that's, that's, that kind of is, is what got me back into one of the things that got me back into comics. Um, cause I, cause after two P failed, uh, I didn't draw comics for like 10 years. Yeah. Like I didn't draw a comic for like 10 years. I started working at Buzzfeed and whatever. And then like a couple, into, a couple years into working at Buzzfeed. Um, I, what did I, I think I just did like a random comic and put it on my Instagram and people were like, this is amazing. And I was like, do people not know that I was a cartoonist? Like that was yeah. like the primary thing but because yeah. i was because i was working for buzzfeed and because i was in videos and whatnot and because video is so sticky in that way people were like yeah. oh you're a video guy you're a youtube guy like you know what i mean and i was just like no no no." like it's it like it's interesting to see like your how you identify yourself versus how other people identify you yeah you know and when those yeah. don't line up you're like "No, no no wait a minute wait a minute like how can i how can i line that up better let me back up a second, because you said that Toopy Doops failed. Do you yeah. really feel it failed? Oh, I mean. Uh, <laughs> I. So Toopy Doops is a graphic novel you drew. Yes, it was. A, it was a, a comic series based on a character that I created back in college. Um, right. And the idea behind it was that I was going to publish it as a comic book series uh, and then pitch it to Hollywood, get it made into an animated series and, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, that was the plan. Uh, and then I, you know what I, I will say, I, I do think that it failed because I look back on the experience and I realized that if I were to do it again, I would do literally everything different. Really? What would you do differently? Everything. Like at, so- one, at one point I was going to write a book called how not to self-publish comics? Really? <laughs> and just tell them what I did with tubi Doo's. Like I just made a number of terrible like decisions from the jump. Like like we were saying before. Like I I didn't go to the web. I as a nobody, I tried to be an indie uh, print publisher, right? Okay. With a property that no one had ever fucking heard of before. It was hard to explain. Um, you know, I, I, yeah. I had a pitch for it, but the pitch was kind of weird. Um, it had a, uh, it had a name that was cute and clever, but not memorable at all. Um, right. like in fact, David Malky, uh, would constantly say, constantly tell me, you got it, you got it, you got to name it something different. You got to name it something different. And he actually, at SPX, they <laughs> used to give out the nerdlinger awards and um and i actually have a nerdlinger over here that malky gave me that is uh, best justification for a completely counterintuitive comic title it's <laughs> <And I was laughs> like okay all right thank, thank you thank you um yeah and it was just it was a muddy concept it was just it was just it was too weird you know what i mean hmm. and i go back and just how like you you go back and you know there are certain projects that you don't um that you don't like reviewing, like I'll go back and I'll read Toopy Doops and I'll be like, okay, I can see what's good about this, but also I can also see a lot of where the flaws are, and the flaws are that, fundamental. You know what I mean? Is that your
0: project that you wish people wouldn't bring up? No one, no one ever brings it up.
1: So I'm I'm lucky in that respect. <laughs> That's not what true. Is. That's not true. I will I will say I, I do have uh one fan named Randy Carter, and maybe he's gonna be listening to this. And and Randy, <laughs> uh he used to table uh two tables down for me at Comic Con every year. And uh Randy keeps hope alive that someday there'll be new uh <laughs> issues of too Doops. And so of oh, too Doops, yes, He's the one person who's still into that. <laughs>
0: What is the origin of the name Toopy Doops?
1: So Toopy Doops was the nickname of the kid who lived across the street from me. His mother called him Toopy Doops and called his brother Teeter Eater. And those just always stuck in the back of my head. It's like, oh, those are those are cool names. I'll use those at some point. So when I was making a character for my college strip, I called him Toopy Doops. Toopy Doops. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I was <just>, like... <laughs> I think it's okay to say that something failed. You know what I mean? Like every, I know what you're supposed to say is like, oh, well, every failure is a learning experience and everything. And yes, well, I did, no, I did but, learn from it, but like at the same time, uh, let's, let's call it what it is. It failed. So.
0: Well, uh, no, I have no problem. Do, I have no problem doing that. I have projects that have failed for sure. Um, um But I'm starting to, I'm starting to in my old age, I'm starting to question whether or not it's important to make things because they succeed, or it's important to make them because you made them. Sure. Um so and that's not comforting when your intention when you make it is to get to a certain goal and you don't. Mm-hmm. And I'm not dismissing your frustration in that in that goal and not reaching it. A- absolutely not. But um you don't want to dismiss the good that came out of it either, because if it weren't for Toopy dupes, I probably wouldn't have met you. So it's true. Or, and you wouldn't have met a lot of people. Yeah. So this is true. it's, it's a step. Yeah. But it, I think it's important to have made it like one of the problems I've been having with the pandemic and all the stuff that's been going on in my life is my productivity went to crap. Mm-hmm. I feel like my career lost momentum because I stopped producing mm-hmm. because I was mm-hmm. so engrossed in, in and other problems uh doing triage over my life yeah. and now the momentum's gone and can i rebuild it mm-hmm. you know and th- there was a lot of depression over well i'm not going to get it back and then um i went to i took pvp 3 days a week to try to just do self care mm-hmm. cuz i was so down in the dumps and then 50 was approaching and it's uh always, it's for the last 22 years, it's been a constant kind of back and forth with me in my head where it feels like I have a legitimate career. I do what I love for a living, which no one gets to do. I caught lightning in a bottle and I'm not going to take it for granted. Yeah. And then the very next day it's, oh no, you didn't catch lightning in a bottle. You built a house of cards and it's going to tumble on you and then you'll have nothing, mm-hmm. no skills to fall back on no way to make money and sometimes it's a fight to get back and forth and i i've i've tried for 22 years to find a happy medium and i can't it's either one or the yeah. other Yeah, my career is either legitimate and real or it's an illusion and i've been kidding myself and all the people in my life just have been kind enough not to tell me because what else is the poor son of a bitch going to do so just humor him right those are both legit feelings that i bounce back and forth between yeah you constantly yeah I mean, I've, I have n- I've been there, you know? Right. So for the course of the pandemic up to my 50th, I could not snap back to lightning in a bottle. Mm-hmm. Couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. I My career was a house of cards. It finally happened. That's what won out. That's what it really was. Yeah. And then um, I turned 50. I got that amazing video. And everyone told stories like you did that were just like, you had this unknown role in my life that you didn't know about thank you for it and i'm really excited to see what you do with the next 50 mm-hmm. and the next day i like a another cartoonist friend of mine said i when i said i turned 50 last week and he goes right turned 50 and the next day you took the gun out of your mouth mm-hmm. and i'm like yeah it just kind of went away after it passed he goes yeah it happens to everybody and i just woke up one day and went okay i'm done and i just said hey guys pvp's back to five days a week and i'm going to start up a podcast again and i just started producing and then it was back yeah not just my feeling about it but everybody traffic's up engagement's up yeah and all i had to do was make it yeah yeah i just had to make the stuff you just gotta make the thing you just gotta
1: make the thing mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's yeah <laughs> yeah because like I think I don't know I feel like all of us kind of feel that way of just like it, again it's just it's imposter syndrome you know what mm-hmm. I mean it's all sham you know I'm going to be found out and whatnot and so like the like the cure for that is just to like compartmentalize it put it away yeah. and just be like I'm just going to do it anyway yeah you know you just have to do it anyway Yeah.
0: yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hey, uh, before the hour wraps up, mm-hmm. you had to have known there was a z- less than zero percent chance I wasn't going to ask you to give me a Nick Nolte.
1: <laughs> oh, a Nick Nolte, Not a Stan Lee?
0: Oh no, we can talk about Stan Lee, okay. but I want to. <laughs> I get plenty of your Stan okay, Lee, okay, okay. but your Nick Nolte we did that at a bar one no we did that at a restaurant one time you came to visit yeah, right yeah yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. how do we get on that I, nick nolte shtick i don't even remember but it was just i mean and, and to be completely fair it's just it's based on Patton oswald's nick nolte is it yeah, really the, the 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 bit that he does uh <laughs> where he was like did you know that nick nolte um he auditioned for star wars he, he auditioned for on solo and then, oh, and did then he, he does an entire bit about it and whatnot and so Full disclosure, my Nick Nulty is completely based on Pat Noswell's Nick Nolte, but it's so much fun to do. It's just <laughs> just being just, ah, oh, Jesus. Oh, God. Oh, boy. Oh,
0: God oh, yeah, oh, damn.
1: Because these kids said, fucking, boop, boop, beep, fucking, ah, oh, God. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Is
0: it? he made a career you can take clips from every one of his movies yeah it's just him going
1: oh hey oh, yeah. oh, oh, gee, the, the lights too bright in here for Christ. turn it down god no my god, god. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> him and charles groden i fucking love oh, wow.
0: charles I fucking groden
1: i love charles groden i yeah. love that kind of like deadpan not having it like midnight run is like yeah my favorite movies it's good so fucking good in that and i just i love just a deadpan like not not you know taking any of your bullshit that's so funny it's so funny
0: did you ever see the movie with charles groden in it uh called taking care of business yes where he lost his file of facts (laughs) which was his whole life do you know who wrote that movie jj abrams no shit really that's one of his early movies. Oh, my God. Now I have to go back and watch it.
1: Wow. Yeah. Really?
0: He wrote regarding Henry that I knew and he's in it. He delivers groceries at one point. Oh, really? Yeah. When uh, Henry is missing and the guy shows up with groceries and she pays the groceries and then Henry walks in with the puppy or something. Uh, Abrams is the guy delivering groceries. Okay. All right. I didn't know that. I'll have to but yeah, back. he wrote fucking taking care of business. Really?
1: <laughs> yeah. Wow. OK. All right. I got to go back and watch that again. Uh, that's a great movie yeah, yeah it's really good it's really good it's so dumb you know my god the dumb movies i'm a big fan
0: I, so real quick b- before i forget and i'll have to edit this and we'll figure out where it all fits or maybe fuck it, i'll just put it up as <laughs> who gives a shit how did
1: you get how did you start at buzzfeed what what uh yeah so my my buzzfeed story is not very interesting at all um i hmm. uh I just, I applied. That was it. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, no, the, so the, the longer, the longer story was that I was freelance. I was freelance for about 10 years in LA and I got to the point where I was freelancing, where I was spending more time looking for the next gig than I was actually working the gig. And I was like, something's got to change. And so I was freelance, what freelance, everything, uh, photography, web design, illustration, editing, right. Whatever you needed. And, um, and so i was like i need something a little more stable and so um and so what i was actually trying to do was i was trying to break into animation i was doing storyboard tests for like cartoon network and stuff like that and
0: oh wow, yeah, wow. i did
1: about three or four of them and didn't get hired on any of the shows um and then uh while i was doing a storyboard test i just happened to be on buzzfeed because you just kind of find yourself on BuzzFeed, you know, as you do. Sure. And uh, and I just, out of curiosity, scrolled to the bottom and in their footer was a thing that said jobs. And I clicked on it and I saw that they were looking for a video producer. And I said, ah, I can do that. And so I sent my application and my resume and whatnot and like, didn't think twice about it. Huh. And they called me, it was at the very beginning of the video department. Um, they were literally starting it. It started, you know, maybe three or four months earlier. And at that point, they were just looking for, warm bodies that knew how to uh, shoot and edit. And I was like, I'm a warm body. I can shoot and edit. And so they hired me and I've been there coming coming on eight years now. Wow. Yeah. But you're not, you're not in LA anymore, right? No, I moved to New York uh, end of
0: 2019. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. You did this thing for a long, long time and it was a, mainstay in my life and it was every monday you would tweet Mm -hmm. without fail i think this is the week i finally get it all together Mm -hmm. and then on friday you would say man what a week this fucking
1: week am i right
0: this fucking week am i right and then once a year you would say i really think this year is the (laughs) year i get it all together Uh (laughs) did you schedule those tweets Or did you do them live? Do them live every week. You stopped at one point.
1: I I stopped over the summer of last year. Was it because of the pandemic? It was because of the pandemic. It was because of all the, you know. Trump and stuff. It was just, the world was just in a shitty place. And it just felt felt wrong. It didn't feel right to be doing this bit anymore. Yeah. It was just like, okay, I'm done. And it was was almost 10 years to the day uh, that, that I stopped it like I said, I'm a fan of the long bit. So you, know. you are a fan of
0: the long bit.
1: Yeah. yeah. It was a good bit. Eh, you know, it served its purpose.
0: But again, like, um, in, in this vein of, you just don't know how the things you do affect people. Mm-hmm. It was always a highlight of my week Aww. and I always forgot about it. And it always made
1: me laugh. Aww. Well, I appreciate that.
0: And it it's also, it would also remind me of, we're at comic-con one time and we're standing in this horde of people, this mass Mm -hmm. that's just pushing us forward. We have no choice about where we're going and we're praying. It's pushing us down the ramp and across to gas lamp. And then at some point it'll dissipate and we'll have autonomy again. And you turn to me and you go, this makes me want to turn to people in these situations and just go comic-con. Am I right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: <Yep>. <laughs> that
0: was another one of those things that just made me go god damn it he's funny i really want this guy to like uh-huh. me but you know ha- you always had those bits it's always those bits yeah.
1: I, like, yeah I like the little dumb bits i like repetition i think repetition in yeah. comedy is is vastly underrated
0: it is yeah. uh do you want to talk about fake stanley or not yeah sure I feel like I've so told what's that the, story
1: on every podcast I've been on, but yeah.
0: yeah, I know. I, can, you know, I was going to skip it. Yeah. We'll, we'll do it as a bonus. I'll put it as a bonus sure. on the Patreon. For sure. Okay. So how many years did you do Fake Stanley?
1: Uh, about five or six.
0: And did I see the origin of it? Did it come from those conversations with it Kelly did. and Straub? It, it
1: was. Wow. So, so the year, the year that we met at Baltimore Comic-Con, SPX was uh, the weekend before. And so Mm -hmm. me and Aaron Diaz and Malky, we came out and I I grew up in Bethesda where uh, SPX takes place. I did not know that. And so I was actually at the very first SPX. Wow. Yeah, it was crazy. Like Dave Sim was there. Uh, Oh, Jesus Christ. David Mazzucchelli was there. Uh, Wow. It was was insane. Like Steve Bissett was there. Uh, I'm trying to think who else. I think Frank Miller may have been there the first year. Of yeah. SPX. Anyway, um, so so SPX was the week before. So Malky and Aaron and I did SPX and then we stayed with my folks in Bethesda for that week and then we did Baltimore. And during that week it was just three cartoonists, you know, in my parents' house just bouncing off the walls and oh. we just got into this Stan Lee bit that we just ended up doing for the rest of the week and then by the time we got to baltimore malky and i and, and aaron had like completely like honed this bit and uh and then we brought uh dave and chris into it and so it just yeah had this this viral thing that we were doing and we just ended yeah doing it for the rest of the weekend so yeah that was kind of and then it was it was one of those things where it's like everybody's like ah it was a fun bit and i was like nope i'm gonna take it further <laughs> yeah we keep doing this <laughs> and you know what i'm gonna dress up like him and i'm gonna walk around comic-con and pretend to be him uh but yeah did it for uh did it for five or six years uh, first year that I did it at Comic Con, I went to Stan's panel, and mm-hmm. his and I was walking around doing it before the panel started, and right. people were like, "Oh my God, it's so funny!" Like, blah, blah, blah. and um, you were like the warm up guy, yeah, I was like the unofficial warm up guy, and then um, uh, Stanley's handlers saw me doing it in the crowd. And when the panel was over, they were like, they were trying to get my attention. They were like, come back, come back. And so me and the guy who was uh, doing the camera for me, we go backstage. And that's when I first met Stan. Yeah. Just as we did a little bit. You know, and I'm glad that it was on camera because I, yeah. I don't remember it at all. Like, I just I have no memory of it whatsoever.
0: You asked him for advice and he said, and he said, don't. Yeah. Something like, yeah. don't be me or get out of comics.
1: Yeah, exactly. Kid. Exactly. Do something <laughs> yeah. else. So like, I forget yeah. what he said. But yeah. And that started a relationship between me and Stanley's company. Uh, with, oh, wow. Entertainment. Yeah. I loved it. They thought it was fucking hilarious. All of his handlers yeah. and whatnot thought it was super funny. And so whenever Comic-Con came around, I let him know that I was doing it. And then every year we did a little bit and it got more and more elaborate. Um, and uh, and then that's what ended up uh, getting me the gig on his YouTube channel. Uh, yeah. Stan had a YouTube channel and I was uh, hired as one of the co-hosts of uh, their their weekly news program right i remember um, that yeah and uh and then i did and then the last year that i did stand at comic-con was under that youtube channel and that was that was super fun and uh
0: we always i always talk about we always talk about from the show that um we always say that there's no such thing as luck it's always uh opportunity preparedness meeting mm-hmm. opportunity mm-hmm. and so i really do think this is a great example of your commitment to doing something for the love of it, because it was good, because you enjoyed it Mm -hmm. meeting an opportunity. Yeah. Right. You worked on it, you honed it, you developed it. You said, I'm taking it a step further. You committed to Mm -hmm. it and that you were prepared when the opportunity struck. Yeah. Right. There was no ramping up. You were perfect, ready to go. If only I could get that to happen for all my other shit. Yeah. No kidding. (laughs) Again, you don't get to choose what hits. It's true. It's very true. That's a shame. It's very true. And you even did. Um, and thank you for it. Still to this day. I thank you. You did an intro for me when I hosted oh, the hilarious. Harvey Awards. Yes. And it was it was well received. Like it was. That's excellent. It was very, very funny. And you made some comment about.
1: Oh, about Marie Severin.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking Marie Severin. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I was like, I was like, listen, if there's ever a crowd that's going to get a Marie Sefer yes, show, like now's the time. It's, it's the the crowd at the Harvey yeah, Awards. exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, God, that was so funny. I actually, not last year, but the year before, I went back to Comic-Con. It was, it was right before I moved to New York. And uh, Dave Kellett gave me his extra ticket for a day. And so okay. I drove down and I did stanley i did fix stanley one more time and it was had stand past yeah and pass. okay and and that's like i did it for an entire day like that's all i did like i didn't wow like, i just walked around and did it all day i didn't have a camera following me or anything it wasn't for a youtube video or whatnot i just went mm-hmm. and did it um and it was it was crazy like did people go nuts people people went nuts people really loved it people got oddly emotional uh this one wow. this one woman saw me from across the floor and like kind of made a beeline for me and as she walked over to me her eyes were welling up with tears and she came over and she gave me a hug and she said look I know you're not Stan but I just I never got the chance to tell him how much he meant to me and so you're the next best thing and I'm wow. and I'm like how the fuck am I supposed to <laughs> <just> like, <laughs> what do I say, I say after that and, you know and I'm just you know what I did say I do remember what I did say I said um I said, Well, I just want you to know that everything is great on the other side. And I'm very happy. And thank you very much. And she she was like, Don't say that. And she like cried even more. And I was just like, Okay.
0: What a great story, man. And perfectly lines up with what we're talking about. Yeah, man. Damn it. Yeah. (laughs) You would come by my booth every year and find a way to say, Fuck your booth. My favorite,
1: my favorite was the first year because you didn't know I was coming. Yeah. That that was like the genuine look on your face. You're like, what the fuck is going
0: on? Fuck is happening.
1: The other thing that I wanted to bring up, do you
0: remember discussing, you said we should do a podcast called Gentlemen, Please.
1: Yes. I remember this. (laughs) Yep.
0: And the the format of the show was we'd pick a hot button topic, we'd argue about it. Uh, And then when it was time to change, someone would go, gentlemen, please. Yep. yep. And bang on the table. And then you had to change the subject. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't tell you how many times I've stopped myself from calling you and going, let's just make it. Let's just do it. Let's just do gentlemen, please.
1: You know, Gentle, let's, we should do it, Kevin. You know, it's yeah. And it should just be just a, a bullshit topic each time. You yeah, know? it should be you and me. And we have on a guest. Mm-hmm. And there's three topics. Yep. <laughs> gentlemen, please. Gentlemen, Please. <laughs> or is it funnier if every sentence has to, every argument, like every sentence of every argument has to start with, gentlemen, please? I don't know. Yet. Yeah. Gentlemen, please fill it out. We'll fill it out. We'll May I say this? Yeah. I just want to say
0: why can't we get these new Disney shows all in one lump? Gentlemen, please. Why do I please. have to wait a week?
1: <laughs> It might be a little sexist, but these days. But I mean, you know, if you if you said it, that we're playing characters and we're like, you know, you put some like, uh, you know, gentleman club ambiance in the background. And right. Was, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> we, You could come up
0: with, God, that would be a fun improv. It would be a lot like those opening blam things where you just come up with topics mm-hmm. that are, you know, I don't like the trend of these women. <laughs> With their clavicle exposed. She's showing her
1: ankles like some sort of harlot. Gentlemen, please. (laughs) Gentlemen, please.
0: Thanks to Kevin McShane for being on the show. We really appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed that episode. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to hear more episodes like this one, as well as outtakes, other special features. Hey, consider becoming a patron. Head over to patreon.com forward slash surviving creativity and sign up there. If you like what you've heard, let a friend know about us. And if you leave us a five-star review, we might even read it on the air. Surviving Creativity is a Toonhound Studios production. Our associate producers are... (sighs) Shoemaker, Ryan King, K.R. Hinton, Jonathan Small, Ryan Fisher, John Sanford, Dale Richardson, Bob Glasscock, and Chris Beverick. I need to increase the donation size of that tier. That's a lot of associate producers. We appreciate them all. And we appreciate you. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you back next week for another amazing episode of Surviving Creativity.